interest in the following audio recording produced by Chesterton House, a center for Christian studies at Cornell University. Support for Chesterton House comes entirely from listeners like you, and we invite you to help us continue making the recordings of past lectures available at no cost through a donation to the ministry. You can find additional resources and make a donation at www.chestertonhouse.org. This audio recording is copyrighted and unauthorized duplication is prohibited. Well, we've got uh, some minutes for um, questions or reaction and response. I realize this is maybe not the kind of message for which it's easy to make a kind of response and questions, but let's have a go at it. What, what are your thoughts, honestly? You don't need to ask a question. You can just say something that maybe you've thought of in, in the course of the last bit of time that I've been speaking. Yes. Yes. The question, I'm supposed to repeat the questions for the tape, but uh, should we, in this paradox, um, do we focus in on what we're worst at and see that as the way in which we serve the Lord? And my answer is no. We don't. We don't, I I think I did say, we don't ignore our strengths. We just see them as transformed, and the way they're transformed is is by focusing on our weaknesses as the place where we know Christ. And those weaknesses are usually the most personal of weaknesses. They're personal issues. It's not doesn't usually have much to do with my strengths. Peter's strengths didn't go away. They were just transformed and used because at the core and the center of his life, he understood himself differently. That's what I'm after. And the way that comes is in seeing my inability to control outcomes. For me, inability to control outcomes, inability to control the perceptions of other people, and inability to even control my suffering. And when, as I said, those three things work on me, and I I see my inability, then the Lord fuses his, His power with my strengths. Isn't that amazing? It's like I get out of the way, so to speak, if you can put it that way. Someone else, thank you. Great, great thought, great question. Yes, sir. Hmm. Uh, one sort of throwaway remark last night, uh, you know, you said it doesn't make that much 
<laughs> because they're too apolitical. But I wonder if you have any comment mm-hmm. on the different levels, because all of this seems right to me, but it seems to me uh, within the body of Christ and within society, we also want people to be in their role in the right way. We want competent marriages, we want competent parenting, we want competent farming and mothering and uh, whatever the job is. Mm-hmm. And competent fishing and competent uh, leadership of the early church and competent um, care for the poor in the early church and competent preaching. And if you're going to preach the first sermon that is the very first sermon of the early Christian church, it better be a good one. And I agree. I really agree with you. Thank you. That's a very, very helpful. And I, again, I would just I would go back to Peter and say, Peter was competent. His competency needed to be transformed from within so that it could be really useful. That's maybe the way I'd put it. Does that make sense? And I, I think that if we just deal with our competency without them being tra- competencies without them being structured in an interior way by the Lord, then um, yeah, we may do good things, many good things. Um, but I don't know that we ourselves are the people that the Lord wants us to be as we do them. You know, I quite agree with you. I, I you know, if I'm going to have brain surgery, I don't want a brain surgeon who's, you know, you know, prayed for five days and hasn't, you know, studied his, my x-rays to see, you know, my CT scans to see where he's going to cut. Absolutely. But I, I also think that any person doing any, fulfilling any calling, uh, and I've spent a lot of time talking to college students over the years about callings and what it means to understand yourself and your gifts and the way the Lord has made you and to go and use those things for excellence, in excellent ways for the Lord. The point I'm trying to get at here is the inner reality that needs to, that needs to um, uh, energize and uh, the word I'm after. Yeah, yeah, it's foundational. But thank you. I mean, that's a good corrective that I don't say it in a way that is, uh, sounds as if I don't think those things are important. Thank you. Uh, Yes, back there and then the gentleman. Yeah. Um. Thank you. 
I'm not familiar with the book, but I love, <laughs> I love the title. It stretches our uh, definition of a sacrament, to be sure, but, but I agree with the, with the general sentiment of what you've said, and I do concur with you that the, the living in the moment with the Lord is, is very much key to what we're talking about. The Lord said in, in Matthew 6, um, uh, he said, you know, why are you anxious about tomorrow? Tomorrow will take care of itself. And he gets very specific about clothing and food and so forth there. Seek first the kingdom and these other things will be added, added to you. Um, and he seems to be, that seems to be his way of saying, you know, don't be anxious. But, and I think many of us live our lives in the regrets of the past and the fears of the future. And I want to tell you that, that for me, that was a huge trap because it inevitably led to pride or fear and it inevitably then led to a sense of my own desperation to make things work. And I became less competent in the things I was actually good at because the preoccupation was on me making them happen rather than on the giftedness um, that the Lord has given and that I am to use as a steward. And I will tell you that I think I am much... I I shouldn't use myself so much as an example, but I, I do think you're quite right. I think that when we're here and not way in the future or way in the past, I think we do bring to bear the sense of the Lord's presence on this moment and my presence in this moment. So, again, it's hard to talk about this without talking about yourself. I spent 20 hours in airports, okay, Thursday and Friday. Now, the old, the old way I would live my life, I would have arrived in Ithaca a shredded mess, just anxious and uptight and mad at half the world and, you know, why did she say that? And why do they? Why can't they fix their system? And you know, and because I wasn't doing that, I'm here right now in this moment. I'm not thinking about what happened the last two days. And and it is a much better way to live. So again, I am not so much talking about the exercise of our outward gifts. I am simply saying that to get to exercise them and their strengths correctly, we need to hearken with our own interior need and our own interior weaknesses, which often come in ways that don't have direct bear, <clears throat> don't have anything directly to do with my gifts outwardly, but it's something in me that needs correcting, control, people pleasing. Uh, making things happen on my schedule and my terms. Yeah, thank you. Great, great. Um, if I had time sometime, I'm going to actually share one of them with you in the next hour we have together. But I have, well, I'll tell you more about it then. But I have what I call a three and nine. And a three, the nine is nine principles that grow out of the three Beatitudes that I believe is a way in which I'm supposed to, to, to live, and one of them is precisely that, is to live in the moment. Because I cannot be, I cannot be, I cannot be there for the Lord and there for you if I don't. Thanks so much. The gentleman there had a question, yeah. 
Bravo. That's that's a good way to put it. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm supposed to talk for an hour on it uh, in a couple minutes. <laughs> but I may not. I, I'm trying to think. I may change it to honesty, but I don't know. But the point is, um, humility is is also one of my nine things. And I would say, absolutely, it, it is at the heart of what we're talking about. Humility is right-sizing myself. It's seeing myself accurately. And the problem, I think, with the way in which I see myself most of the time is I see myself either in grandiose terms or in... Um, in, in, in terms of a tremendous inferiority that has no basis. I swing between those instead of seeing myself accurately. Maybe one more. Yes, sir. Well said. And it's not, maybe as the morning goes on, we'll talk a little bit more about this. It's not so much that I become this electric wire that Jesus lives through and therefore I feel his blessing and his happiness. And his, That's not it. That's not it at all. It's that I choose in that moment to not let anxiety become the dominating thing in my life in that airport situation or whatever it is. I, may, I actually make that choice and... In doing so, I think I honor the Lord. 
I think I am saying, I'd rather be present to you, Lord, than being anxious. Because frankly, if you're all balled up in anxiousness, I don't really know how you're present to the Lord in that moment. So uh, it, it's, it's choices that we make many times a day. Um, and sometimes they're quite small. Jesse, you get the last word, and then we'll break. Yeah, great, good question. Um, I don't know if I've really thought about that particular way of putting it that you did. I would simply say that I think the answer is in the doctrine of the incarnation. And that um, when Jesus became the incarnate Son of God, he took upon himself all of our weaknesses and all of our frailties and all of our temptations, yet without sin. And... His uh, his weakness, as it were, was the same susceptibility that we have in the flesh to all that being in the flesh means. And unless we want to, you know, kind of be a little more platonic than I think we should, when it says in Hebrews that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, I think we need to take that seriously. In every way. And who is it who understands the full weight and burden of a temptation? It's the one who never gives into it. When you give into the temptation, the temptation itself dissipates. <laughs> You've satisfied it. Jesus never did. So he never lost touch with his own susceptibility to temptation. And in that way, I think he actually becomes the most perfect model of what I'm saying. Okay, break time.